All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Well, hey there, Gal Pal Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help you understand why he screams at the TV during a game. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sports Gal Pal, and of course, on SportsGalPal.com. And it is World Series time. Hooray! And one of my favorite baseball teams, Gal Pal Nation, you know, I am agnostic when it comes to professional baseball. I do not have a professional team, but I do have a soft spot for the New York Mets. The reason why is my dad is a Mets fan. Favorite childhood memory of his is at 1986 he wakes me up and he's like honey honey you need to see this and I'm all groggy and he picks me up and we watch as the Mets win a World Series and I've never forgotten that why I'm not a Mets fan is kind of beyond me but what can you do but my guest today is a Mets fan and also part of one of the most mortifying experiences I've ever gone through in my entire life. And it was not his fault. It was all of me. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but you probably know my guest from some of his several TV appearances. He's been on Survivor twice um, and he has a pretty awesome podcast. It's called Rob Has a Podcast and it's Rob Sesternino and he's my guest today and he's a huge Mets fan. So Rob, welcome to the show. Ramona, thank you. All right, let's let's get the mortifying experience out of the way. I got to tell you, it was probably like top five. And, and it doesn't of apply like the to the Mets. Things. No, it doesn't apply to the Mets. Um, but we'll get it out of the way just so to Scalp Nation knows. So, Scalp Nation, you know, I was I was in Las Vegas wandering the desert alone without a podcast, and the Podvader comes and gives me a podcast. Yes, we know that story. What I didn't tell you was the day before that happened. So obviously, maybe that's why the dark side of the force found me. Um, Rob was invited at New Media Expo to be a keynote speaker because his podcast is fantastic. And um, afterwards, you know, he's very gracious and he was talking to me and I completely mixed him up with the other evil Rob on Survivor, the Boston Rob that was on like Amazing Race. And I'm going on and on and on about how awesome he is. And he's just standing there going, I can't do anything. And I didn't realize it till about a half hour later. And I was like, oh my God. And my then it was too late to apologize. Well, a couple of months later, we run into each other at Podcast Movement. And the very first thing that comes out of Rob's mouth goes, so you know which Rob I am? Seriously, mortified, like big blush. It was hilarious. Um, I can't believe you're on my podcast. So thank you so much. But yeah, it was right, well, probably top five a, worst things. First off, uh, no big deal. It happens a lot. Uh, the other Rob is not actually evil, even, and so uh, it's no big deal. And and I probably could have said something at the time, but sometimes I'm just too tired, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and <laughs> I I don't want to disappoint you and tell you I'm not who <laughs> you think I am. So okay, fine. <laughs> that could be but worse. I've never really had, but I've never had that before where, you know, I, I've been mistaken for the other Rob. There's, an, you know, if you don't know Survivor, there's another uh, Rob who's probably like the most famous uh, Survivor player who's also named Rob, but he was also on The Amazing Race. But nobody's ever come up to me and thought I was the other Rob from Survivor and asked me Amazing Race questions. That's never happened before. Oh, my God. This makes it so much worse. Makes it so Because <laughs> I, I used to watch Amazing Race. Like, I, I, 
<laughs> let's hope no because i never i mean i watched survivor a little bit like i remember the first season because i live in the area where rudy is from so that was mm-hmm. a big deal around here and then i watched the Karor season i don't know why i watched that wow. because they were so good yeah yeah i'm glad you see he's an expert at this he knows all these things but after that i didn't really watch because it's just not my thing it's just because it's outdoors and it just that's the, that would be the worst experience if, if they asked me to go on survivor i would never do it because i'm like no that sounds like sports that's awful. outdoors yeah, but I'm usually sitting down with a beer, Rob. <laughs> right, well, you don't have to actually do anything to watch Survivor. You don't have to, like, it's not like it takes place on the power pad or anything. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, But my mom is a huge Survivor fan, so she, um, again, was mortified that I got the Robs mixed up because you're one of her favorite all-time Survivors. So, anyway, yeah. so I'm sorry, Mom. I'm so sorry. Well, it's okay. Rob's thank okay. you, Scout Mom. <laughs> sports gal mom that's awesome all right rob um i normally like to uh, let's get right to it so i um love to ask this question because i think it's fascinating as we talk about sports fans and why we're crazy how did you get into sports i really just was just absorbed into a mets family because i was remember i was like a little kid and my dad was a uh, you know a real a uh, bleeding orange and blue Mets fan. And it was just the baseball was always on at my house. My dad was always watching the games and, and he would take me to go see uh, Mets games, probably from as early back as like 1986 at, you know, Shea Stadium. So from being like seven or eight years old, my dad would take me to the games and, and I just really always enjoyed, you know, getting to, you know, watch those games. I, I like vividly remember when the Mets would play on the West Coast, my dad like recording the games on the VCR and then watching them the next day and like reading box scores and stuff like that. So I really became a, a football fan later in life, probably by the time I was like in uh, like middle school or high school. But from when I was a, a little kid, you know, the Mets were just sort of just in my DNA. Well, that was so good. I um, mean, that mid '80s again. Like I started the podcast telling my story, you know, Keith Hernandez, and and it was just a really great time for Mets. And then it kind of went away, and then Piazza came. I remember that, and they were good again. You know, in the 2000, you know, the Subway Series, and that was awesome. And then they kind of went away again, and that's what feels like okay. with Mets. It's like it's a valley. It's a valley. There's no peaks. It's just like hills. You roll. Yeah, it's really been uh, some periods of just extreme excitement and then some low valleys uh, that have been along the way. So it's definitely been a roller coaster. And this season has been so special because it was just really out of nowhere. It was not really expected for them to go this far this year. Exactly. I mean, even at the all-star break, because that's when I typically, as again, I'm an agnostic baseball fan, I start paying attention at the all-star break because that's when I'm like, okay, the season begins then. Because also, usually NBA basketball is done. So in college, um, baseball is done because I, I go to I went to the University of Virginia, so we have a really good baseball team. And so I pay attention to college baseball. I'm, I'm sick in the head. Ignore me. But, you know, that all-star break is usually the sign, okay, I can start really paying attention to baseball. And it just, you guys, just all of a sudden, it was like Mets. It, it just came out of nowhere. It, it feels like almost like the Royals last year, who you guys yeah, are competing I mean, against this year. Yeah, it's the same way. 
I mean, forget the all-star break. It was really the trade deadline when the Mets really came together. I think the Mets were two games over 500 at the point of the trade deadline. And really, the whole season just sort of galvanized out of this like couple days before the trading deadline. It was like the Mets need to get a bat. And the Mets had this terrible lineup that they were running out there where it was like sort of like a an infamous moment like the day they had like John Mayberry Jr. was batting cleanup and Twitter just went nuts once the lineup car got posted and they had all of these like uh really uh lousy players that you never if, if you don't follow the Mets you would have Eric Campbell and all these jabronis that they kept running out there because the guys were hurt but also they just didn't have a lot of offense and David Wright was out most of the year and in the days leading up to the trading deadline there was that really infamous moment which happened where Wilmer Flores was included in this package which was to get Carlos Gomez at the trading deadline and there was, you know, that m- moment that, you know, every baseball fan is familiar with now where Wilmer Flores is on the field crying because he's been traded from the Mets and somehow the trade never went through. And I think the part of the story that most people don't know who aren't Mets fans is that then like as Mets fans, we were just we lost that game. We had lost a couple of games, I think, before that and we were just devastated. And it really turned into an indictment of ownership of the reason why the Mets didn't get Carlos Gomez was because, you know, Scott Boris had tweeted, oh, the Mets are, they can't afford his $9 million salary for next year. So it really just, it was a hot button thing to bring up with all the Mets fans of Mets ownership won't spend money. And this is why we have this great young pitching and we're wasting it because we won't spend money. And the $9 million for Carlos Gomez was the reason why we're not getting a bat and why we're not going to go to the playoffs this year because ownership won't do anything because they're so cheap because they got swindled by Bernie Madoff. And then the following day after that, the Mets were up 7-1, I believe, against the San Diego Padres. And in the late inning, sort of squandered the lead down to 7-4. to And there was a game where the Mets had the 7-4 to lead with their closer Familia on the mound. And there were two outs, nobody on for San Diego. And then there was a rain delay came out of nowhere. Like they, when do they ever do a rain delay with one out to go in a game and they did the rain (laughs) delay and then they came back from the rain delay and you didn't even know they came back. It might've been seven to five and they had like, you know, a walk and a bloop and then a Justin Upton three run home run. And then another rain delay before the Mets came back and lost one, two, three. And it was just the most demoralizing, like 24 hours in the history of the franchise because <laughs> it was that they won't they won't spend money we're not go, we're gonna lose we're not doing anything this year and the next day they traded for Cespedes and then that night Wilmer Flores hit the walk-off home run and they never looked back from that moment yeah and Flores this postseason has been great I mean just his infielding has been fantastic um so I'm yeah, kind of glad been, he didn't he's been good, he's been good. And I think all the, the guys reason- have Everybody's everybody's been good. I mean, nobody's been better than Daniel Murphy, but Wilmer Flores has been solid. And and Wilmer Flores wasn't getting a lot of playing time in the first couple of games against the Dodgers because he's really not a shortstop. He's really a third baseman who has a good bat and they're sort of like trying to shoehorn him in somewhere. And you could sort of get by with him at second and the Mets tried to have him at shortstop. And he made a lot of errors to start the year, but he's sort of uh, come along, but he's truly not. A shortstop, and the Mets didn't want to put him in that position in the playoffs, so they had Ruben Tejada 
at shortstop. And of course, then uh, we know what happened with Ruben Tejada in the NLDS when Chase Utley had that uh, terrible slide against him and broke his leg. So now Wilmer Flores has now, again, once again, been thrust into this position where the spotlight is on him as the starting shortstop now and having to play uh, shortstop in the postseason. But he has not embarrassed himself. And, he, and he's had a couple of uh, decent hits that I think most Mets fans expected Wilmer Flores to be the person to come up with some postseason heroics. But to this point, he hasn't really done anything that's really been dynamite, or, or at least what he's done has just been dwarfed by Daniel Murphy. Yeah, let's talk about Daniel Murphy. I mean... It, 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 it was it's ridiculous. I mean, because the guy, you look at his numbers, and as a person, you know, I don't personally like him for a couple of reasons. Um, mainly his stance on homosexuals. I think he's a, I think he's an awful person. I think he's an awful person. <laughs> well, however, <laughs> I mean, he's uh, no. I'm sorry, I do. Um, but however, <laughs> and also during the year, he really wasn't. I mean, he was okay. He wasn't that great though. But magically i don't know maybe it was him against chicago or what but it was like and i know he had a couple before that but i'm like wow all of a sudden daniel murphy became a force to be reckoned with yeah daniel murphy's been sort of a polarizing guy for for a number of reasons i mean to what what you're alluding to yeah again i i don't want to make those sort of uh judgment calls and i i won't say anything bad about daniel murphy at this point that i believe i believe uh you know that uh the mets had uh i forget uh the the player's name but he was sort of like a um an ambassador from major league baseball uh he was a player that was uh that was uh billy bean i think is, is his name is that, is that right yes yeah but it's not yes. the billy bean but that people that think billy. about not or, it's bean. not it's not the money ball guy <laughs> yeah and he came out of the closet after he got done playing major league baseball and he came around and, and i think daniel murphy had said that i don't agree with his lifestyle was uh was the quote that he had said and he was also at the center of controversy where then last season i think that after opening day his wife had a baby or he might have missed opening day because his wife had a baby uh and you know he is uh you know very religious he'll like he'll talk about you jesus quite a bit and he's a little bit of like a has a tim tebow thing going on a little bit and similar to tim tebow he's just a guy that's sort of like on that run that tim tebow had back in denver where he's just like playing way over his head to the point where, you know, I am not a regular churchgoer, but I'm considering it based on what <laughs> Jesus has been able to do for Daniel Murphy over these. Like, I am, he's really been a missionary for the Mets fans over these last couple of uh, weeks. It's really, it's been insane because the, the thing about Daniel Murphy, the rap on him, and he's also a, a free agent after the season, is that he's another guy who has a good bat, but he's like a doubles hitter. He had 14 home runs this year, and he hits for average, but not like a super high average. I think he batted like 280 for the year, but he's a consistent 280 guy. But he makes so many bonehead plays in the field and on the base paths that there's an expression that Mets fans have about him. Like whenever he does something dumb, like he throws to the wrong base or he forgets that there's uh, – that there's he thinks that there's only only uh there's two outs but there's only one out and he gets picked off a base that we just say like oh murph's gonna murph and so that's just (laughs) sort of like the expression for when he does something dumb but all of a sudden not only has his bat come alive and he's hit home runs where he was never a power hitter he's also he changed the dynamic of the dodger series i mean he basically won the game when he stole a base 
when the other team just fell asleep. It was like they were the ones who made a, a Daniel Murphy type mistake when he then stole third base when it was unguarded. And then his glove has also been really spectacular. And he's made a bunch of like diving catches where he's not really a great defensive player either. So he's just been simply amazing over these last couple of weeks. And, you know, a lot of Mets fans are having trouble with like reconciling like, well, we're not we're not going to keep Daniel Murphy after this. I mean, this is great. And I hope we win the World Series, but we have to re-sign Murphy now. No, you don't need to re-sign Murphy necessarily. I mean, I did again. Think about you know, and you know, it reminds me of a lot of times. Remember Joe Flacco a couple of years ago when they he did that amazing run mm-hmm. where he was basically perfect in the playoffs. Look at him now. Sure. <laughs> you know, now granted, the Ravens have whole whole other problems that we're not going to get into in this podcast. They, that that's they need a lot of stuff right now. But it's kind of the same thing. Like you should never judge. Um, you know, a team based on just postseason performance because people get lucky. People get on runs. I mean, it, it happens all the time in various different sporting events. I don't care what it is. So, you know, Mets fans, breathe. I mean, you know, he's doing great right now. And I, I hope for your sake, Rob, and Mets Nation that he, that he continues. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a great fit in your lineup next year. So but let's – that's what I think yeah. anyway. Listen, believe me, that there is almost no chance that the Mets overpay for Daniel Because the Mets don't overpay really for anything. They don't have the money. So if he falls <laughs> – Back into their lap and there's no competition. I think that they'll, you know, Daniel Murphy will be back. But if somebody's going to blow the Mets out of the water for Daniel Murphy, the Mets are not going to match some like four year, $60 million offer for Daniel Murphy. So, but the thing about the, the Mets is also that, you know, this, we're on this amazing run, but there's also this like sort of like ominous sense about it. Like, well, Murphy's not going to be back. Cespedes is going to be back. And sure, the pitching is all going to be back next year, we think. But the offense we're going to lose a lot of key pieces in free agency here and so we kind of have to make the most of this moment yeah i I mean you know a great example of that the washington nationals i know you don't want me to mention them because you don't like them obviously but you know they had a great run and then all of a sudden they got injuries and bad management and people choking you know bryce harper and dugouts and you know they're a mess now they're an absolute mess which you're probably going yay and that's okay. You're allowed to be yay. I, I'm that sports fan. Like, if my rival is doing, like, crazy things, I'm like, yay. Like, Virginia Tech dealing with four overtimes yesterday. Yay. Uh, <laughs> despite Virginia playing really bad football. Anyway, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, let's talk about that pitching for a minute, though. The, sure. The rotation is fantastic right now matt harvey i love that you guys call him the dark knight and he's rising up and like what is it i think it was the new york post or someone had his head on batman like with the bat signal and then like city field was in the background it was a really cool image um you know obviously he's kind of forward to grome Syndergaard, and then matt's i mean the pitching rotation's looking very very good but you're facing a true hitting team. The Royals struck out 146 fewer times than the Cubs over um, the current um, postseason. And they put the ball in play more often than any other team. And they take really tough at bats. You know, they require pitchers to pitch more. Can the Mets keep up? Well, if the Mets pitch like they pitched against Chicago you know, they're going to be able to overcome whatever the Royals are able to do. But I really was more hoping that the Blue Jays would come and play the Mets because I felt like the Blue Jays were probably a closer 
comparison to the Cubs where they just have so many sluggers and guys looking to, you know, hit home runs and are going to be sort of like prey victim to the, you know, hard throwing uh, pitching that's going to ultimately get the strikeout. So I really do think that this is going to be an extremely tough test uh, for the Mets, especially I know how well that the Royals run the bases. And, and again, I don't know the Royals particularly well, but from, from what I know about them, I think that this is going to be an incredibly tough challenge uh, for the Mets. For it's The Mets were able to, you know, really catch fire at the end of the NLDS and win that game five. And they had so much momentum coming into the NLCS and the Cubs had been off for a couple of days. And they just were able to just, you know, steamroll through that series. But they are not going to have as nearly as easy of a time with the Royals. Yeah, let me give you another fact that might um, scare you a little bit. In 11 postseason games, the Royals have only made one error. They are an outstanding defensive baseball team. I mean, just outstanding. And all those guys have postseason experience last year. They went through this last year, whereas your guys don't. I mean, they just don't. So do you worry about that at all? I get it. I mean, uh, I still, I still am excited about the Mets chances. I mean, I think that what we are hoping for is one, like the pitching has not just been okay. The pitching has been dominant. So you kind of hope that in a series where potentially Matt Harvey is going to pitch twice, Jacob deGrom is going to pitch twice. Noah Syndergaard is going to pitch twice. If it goes to six or seven games, you have to like your chances with that. And then also that the Royals pitching has not been as great. I mean, the Mets to get to this point have beat Clayton Kershaw and Zach Granke and John Lester and uh, uh, Arietta from the Cubs. And so we've had to go through, you know, really incredible pitching to get to this point. And the hope is that the Mets offense can, you know, whatever the Royals are able to do to our pitching, that we're able to do just a little bit more of their pitching. Well, I personally cannot wait to see. Again, it comes on Tuesday night on Fox. I'm super excited. You know what I'm not excited about? I don't know if you've been watching because obviously you were watching the TBS coverage. You weren't probably watching any of the um, Fox coverage. But have you seen Joe Buck lately in his face and the beard? <laughs> have you seen that I, yet? <laughs> I was watching during the rain delay. Like I, I really turned into the ALCS uh, the other night. And I was watching like this insane studio show that they had which is hosted by uh, Kevin Burkhart, who for years was the uh, basically like the Mets sideline reporter. And uh, like he, he also just sort of like the Mets this year, just had like this meteoric rise over the past couple of years where he's anchoring the Fox studio show. But they have Pete Rose and, and A-Rod. It was like a real freak show. <laughs> it was a freak show. Especially like when Pete Rose like got to the corner of that one image. And then like A-Rod's on like NFL Sunday breaking, you know, probably very expensive, you know, boards. Yeah, Fox is interesting. But have you seen Joe Buck's face? I mean, that it's very, very frightening, the beard. I know that's completely off topic, but I was on Twitter before this and people are st- it's starting to become a hashtag Joe Buck's beard. I mean, it, it just, it, it doesn't match his hair color. Just wait. It's, it's really weird, Rob. It's so, so weird. Okay, well, I will be checking it out. So it'll be interest, interesting to see what's going on with uh, with Joe Buck's beard. I'm looking it up on uh, on Twitter. Is the people are not are not super into the uh, the beard? I don't know. I, I no. gotta take I take a look at it in HD. The uh, the Twitter it, it looks like is it, not doing it justice. 
No, it looks like seriously something we need to wipe off his face. Like it just, it's, it's odd. It's an odd, odd beard. Um, so just, just I'm preparing you and Galpon Nation. Seriously, <laughs> you know, if they should keep showing Joe Buck and, and again, the HGTV, you know, you see everything and it's just like, ah, it's, it's too much. So, um, you know, besides th- this time of year and, and baseball, because you weren't really expecting, um, you know, the Mets, you know, at the beginning of, you know, even like July to be this far on, this is a really busy time of year for you because you are a podcaster that does podcasts about, which I think is so interesting. You've basically taken what sports does and, you know, recap games, but you recap reality shows and other, you know, scripted TV shows. And that's kind of your wheelhouse and what you're known for. Um, you know, do you, because when you were talking about the Mets, it, you really sounded like a professional sports podcaster, if there are professional sports podcasters out there, or a sports broadcaster, I guess I should say, where you know the stats, you know the details and all, you know, do you bring that kind of detail to your, like your survivor recaps, for example? Yeah, basically my whole life, I grew up sort of listening to, you know, WFAN uh, talk radio out of New York. And, you know, in addition to, you know, lots of other talk radio, people like Howard Stern and stuff like that. But I always loved uh, talk radio. But WFAN, which is, if you're not familiar with it, is the, you know, big, you know, sports talk station in New York. And, you know, it's just 24 hour a day sports talk. And my dad just had it on basically, you know, all day long. And so just coming from that world is really a lot of how I try to talk about survivors, sort of like what went on, what happened, what's coming up next, who's going to get voted off next, what works, what didn't work, what was the strategy. And so based out of that, that's really where a lot of what I do in terms of, you know, reality TV and, and TV recaps is, you know, where the genesis of all that is really from. Yeah. And again, I do not, fortunately, I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. I used to, um, but then I got a podcast um, and I have to watch a lot more sports than I'm normally used to. So that's been an adjustment, but yeah, I I I haven't been able to catch up on really any television shows um, this fall season, even Empire I'm behind on and how to get away with murder. Those are my two like shows and I'm not catching up. I feel bad. My DVR is like full. Um, So I need to like, I need to bang it out, like find a weekend and just go watch some television. I think it's awesome. So um, again, Rob, if Galpa Nation wants to find out more about your podcast or about your website and all your fun things that you do, um, where should they go? Sure. You can hear all my reality TV podcasts. We're talking about Survivor, Amazing Race, Big Brother, all that stuff. We do uh, a ton of shows uh, every week, probably on a given week. I probably do uh, anywhere between like, you know, seven to 10 podcasts across uh, the network. So that's all on robhasawebsite.com. And then for our scripted TV podcast, where we're covering stuff like uh, The Walking Dead and then Fargo and American Horror Story, The Leftovers, and uh, basically whatever's happening on scripted TV, you could hear that at postshowrecaps.com. That's postshowrecaps. And I'm at Rob Sisternino on Twitter. Yes, and all the website links and to his Twitter feed will be on my show notes at blogtalkradio.com forward slash sportsgalpal. Yes, because people need to find you. My name is hard to spell. (laughs) That's true, it is. Like I asked him before, how do you pronounce it? And I've only said it once and I'm never going to say it again because I don't want to butcher it. It's just, (laughs) just, this is why I just, it's just someone to call you Rob, (laughs) but not Boston Rob. Never Boston Rob. (laughs) Just Rob. That's it. That's all you That's need to know. That's what my Twitter should have been is not Boston Rob. 
Well, you can change like just the name of it, like not the at you know Rob Sesternino, but the oh look, I did it, yay! Um, because I wasn't thinking about it, but you know you could just change the you know the thing because sometimes I'll do that. Um, like depending on again, I'm a big University of Virginia fan, so when we're like in March Madness or, or some other craziness, I'll change it to like hashtag Go Who's or something. Well, I may not be able to do that anymore now that I'm a podcaster. Ooh, look at me. Um, but that's what I would do is just change it. So maybe maybe that's a future. But I think you're doing okay. Again, random girl from Virginia that doesn't really watch the show that you were on got you mixed up with some other dude just because she happened to watch that show another show that he was on with his wife and they were talking about how he brought in like survivor techniques to like i remember this it was a meat challenge in brazil or maybe argentina yes. and he convinced people and i, I was watching this i've never seen some amazing race before and somebody told me oh that's what he did on survivor but he convinced the people let's just not finish the challenge let's just all take time to like like what are you doing finish the challenge and you beat him like just eat the meat just eat the meat and you will beat him and they all go okay and i'm like wow he just survived them it was amazing yeah I remember what you're talking about, so it's it's not lost on me. I just, yeah, so again, <laughs> but that just shows you that, you know, reality TV, sports, it's kind of all the same. We like to talk about it and go, what we, we all like to be Monday morning quarterback, whether it's because of tri- tribunal votes or the fact that, you know, um, oh, I can't even think of anything right now because right now the Giants and Cowboys are playing and they're just a hot mess. I don't feel bad for them at all. Go Eagles, go. Anyway, um, Rob, thank you so much for being such a great guest and so gracious for the fact that I got you mixed up because you could have been a really jerk and and really who would uh, I've been to say to anybody about well, Rob was a jerk. Rob's not a jerk. He just has a podcast. Well, I would just hope that if you were saying Rob was a jerk, you'd be saying that the other Rob was a jerk. So hopefully <laughs> that you would still be confused enough. <laughs> That's, <true. laughs> That's what I, my one hope would be. That's, okay. That's the game plan for now. <laughs> Poor Boston Rob. <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal podcast. And be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.